Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. You're listening to Schooled with Carla Hulse. Join Carla as she explores K-12 education disruption and has deep dive conversations with ed leaders, ed tech, ed foundations, ed professional service organizations, and ed educators who school her on ed innovations and their impact on educational policy across the country. Here's Carla. So welcome to Schooled, Navreet. This is really an exciting episode for me now. I'll tell the listeners why in a second. But before we get there, um, I know when my friend Bernadette mentioned your name, she mentioned a lot about your your passion <laughs> for public education, and in particular, District 45. But you are a practicing lawyer, correct? Correct. So yes. how did you get from practicing lawyer in Illinois to sitting on your school board in District 45? What was that journey like? Sure. So first of all, Carla, thank you for having me on and taking the time out to speak with me. I'm really um, happy to be here talking to you. So yes, I'm a practicing lawyer and actually decided to stay at home and start my own practice because of uh, my child. My first was also born in 2003. (laughs) So I had her and then passed the bar. (laughs) Um, And so Thank you. And my practice, uh, I knew early on that I would not do litigation. So that was not for me and not in my nature. (laughs) So transactional work was where it was at. So, you know, big documents, 300 page documents. That's my jam. Oh my God. (laughs) Lord help you. Right. Hand me, (laughs) hand me that, you know, 150 page contract. Well, you and I need to talk about the constitution because, you know, we're having a few, few issues around that, that document. So you and I can dig into that and you can help me. Understand well, you know, and I'm not a constitutional lawyer, but they're, you know, the basics that everybody else knows is um, what I'm interested in as well, right? All the things that are happening lately uh, around it. So um, I myself am a product of public education. So yes, I am very passionate for what that means for families. My family immigrated here. I was eight months old um, in 1976 from India. Mm-hmm. And the one of the reasons that my dad left India to come here was because I was born a girl. Yeah. And in as a girl in India, at at the time, at that time, there was not much, he knew that there was not going to be perhaps a life or an opportunity there for me. And education was important for him. He knew that education is the way out. Yeah. Uh, both of my parents are educated. My mom is a, a nurse and my dad uh, was an x-ray tech and then shifted to real estate. Um, knowing what that does for children and families, um, I'm very dedicated to it. So I knew early on that my children were all going to attend uh, public education schools and be part of that system. Yeah. Uh, and it was really important to me. Yeah, it's interesting so, that you bring up the importance education holds in your family. And I know I keep having this conversation with guests starting from last year around, and maybe your dad already have, had a vision in his head, but there, I think in America, 
there is a lack of clarity, though, around what the purpose public education can serve for the greater good. We all believe it's important, but when we don't understand really why it's important and what purpose it serves. And so if we don't understand the purpose, we then get a little fuzzy around them. What should it look like? And so I think that's kind of where we all are in local communities deciding what exactly does public school look like in District 45 or in Chicago or in Lake Forest or in Wyoming, right? Because we know it's a good thing. We just don't know what that thing is. And so I, mm-hmm. um, I've i been thinking about this kind of analogy and, and it's kind of this idea that American schooling is is based on a 200-year-old agrarian model. For sure. And we've now just kind of created a, I'm calling it a Frankenstein, with kind of every new progression we've made. And you mentioned being a girl growing up in India, probably limited, right? That was the same yeah. thing here in America. So we've we've added this, um, well, now we think women should be educated. So um, we'll expand the opportunities for women. We'll expand the opportunities for the multiculturalism that America mm-hmm. is becoming. Because again, 200 years ago, it was really a monocultural agrarian schooling model. Right. So right. we keep opening the doors to inclusiveness, but not really having spent a lot of time, money, and forethought on what that actually then would mean in a school right. or school district. So we've created this kind of Frankenstein system, yes. right? That just has all these big parts and pieces and it's lumbering around trying to, yes. trying to educate people. So that's kind of this, this working model I have in my mind. And yeah. one of those pieces of the Frankenstein is the school board. And I'm going to be right. completely transparent with you, Navreet. I have never, I mean, other than this conversation you and I are having in over 25 years, there's been only one other time where I've actually had an exchange with a school board. And that just seems yeah, ridiculous that was surprising to me. Yeah. to me. Isn't that crazy? And I'm and and I'm gonna be really transparent. I am not a big believer in school boards. Because sure. I think again in this Frankenstein, we have just kind of keep adding all of these entities, whether it's school boards or state departments of ed or county offices of education, right. even the U.S. Department of Ed, all kind of um, doing their own thing, not really all working right. in concert. So right. I say all that to say I'm excited to talk to you today because I actually get to talk to a school <laughs> board member. So um, so I understand your passion for education personally for you. So what, what really do you see the role of a school board? What should school boards be doing? And then we'll dive deeper into then specifically what should be happening in your school board district. Yeah, sure. So, um, you brought up a lot of interesting points there. <laughs> My brain was firing sorry, as sorry. you were talking. It's early no, in the morning. Don't I'm be ready sorry. to go. <laughs> Me too. And that's, I'm so glad. Um, so yes, the layers of um, what we will call uh, bureaucracy, yes. right? For yes. all of the, and all of the red tape that that um, invites and all of the layers. And so I hear that. Um, and I, I actually work with, um, so I'm, I, I practice in real estate law. So some of my clients um, are teachers mm-hmm. and, I, and I get to meet them. And I am so excited when they're teachers, because once we're done with all the funding paperwork, I can talk to you, you know, <laughs> because I love, I love our teachers. Okay. And I think they're, they are the primary 
primary relationship with our children and families. Yeah. So that's where we, that's where I begin. Um, where do I see the role of a school board member? I was surprised actually to learn about this division uh, between school board members and everybody else. Yeah. As soon as you would say, or people would learn that I was a school board member, it's like you could see this, what this shield go up immediately. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Especially with teachers yeah. like, Oh, okay. Now I need to guard myself. Yes. I need to be careful. I need to. And, um, that's definitely not what I want personally. So what do I see the role of a school board member? Uh, ideally I would see it as somebody who brings all of their knowledge, care, because that primary care for the children in our families is, has to be number one mm -hmm. and um, bring all of that and then say, what is the role of a school board member? We have the power to create policy. We, at the end of the day, have some power to stop things that might be about to occur in our district. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We have the policy, we have the power to create maybe some statements. Um, we have, we do have power to have a voice the primary, the primary goal is towards our children and their families create this community because that, um, I think that we can all agree on that at the end of the day. That's what the, I think the teachers would probably agree that that's what they're there for. Yeah. And, um, and as a school board member, if I have the power to foster that relationship and do everything in my power to provide the resources to our teachers, to provide what's needed and bring everybody along, then that's something that I can do. Yeah. And I know that not every school board member um, is, is, is doing that. Right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, and I think that's where that's where that hesitancy comes in, because yeah. there are school board members that we know are are using their positions for other reasons. Correct. And uh, we would like it if they were not there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you so know, not doing those things. Absolutely. So you mentioned things like school boards are there to, you know, create policies, create specific statements to kind of push forward. Um, um, positive agendas, uh, be the eyes to maybe stop a district from going down a path that they shouldn't. So my question to you is, why even then have a school board? Like, is it possible for school districts to function without having that kind of quasi-governing body? Is that something that's, that's possible? Uh, the way I see it now, having been, this is my fifth um, I just finished my fifth academic year. Okay. Uh, so my second term as mm -hmm. a school board member, uh, we do four year terms here. And so um, I think you need to have people again, who care and who are hopefully have the right motivations there as a means for, you know, administration wants to do X, Y, Z. Mm -hmm. And uh we need to kind of be that we can, we of course can direct our superintendent because our superintendent is our employee. Mm -hmm. And then the, because the superintendent is the one who is going to issue the instructions, Correct. the superintendent is the one who's going to be hiring the director of Correct. curriculum, the director of human resources, yep. all of these people that have a direct impact at the end of the day on our principal, who's our principal that's right. going to be hired for the building. And then further down, the principal is uh, the one who manages their building. Yep. And we, of course, want somebody there who is 
good at what they do, but also caring and knows, knows their teachers well. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, all of that, if we don't have a good relationship with our superintendent, because again, we have the power to say superintendent, we would like you to do these things. Mm -hmm. and, and then the superintendent has to turn around and do those things. Mm -hmm. And conversely, if the superintendent has something that he wants to do or she wants to do, then they are going to have to bring that to the board for approval. Yeah. Now you have whatever number of people that sit on your board to have some discussion and say, today we're not going to vote on this because we were just told and right. we're not comfortable with what you're talking about. We need more information. Right. We need more information on this curriculum or this direction you're headed. And we'll talk about it at the next meeting. Yeah. Give us some time to go do some research on our own. Think about it. We're going to ask you more questions next time. We may not vote on it next time either. Right. So to have that power um, and that ability, I would say even more importantly, the ability to see the district as a whole, because as a school board member and as a school board, we should not be getting in the weeds. Right. I should not be telling our third grade teacher in this building how to do his or her job. Correct. Um, but I, I can make sure that if um, the principal or the teachers, uh, if we hear about something, that then we can say, where in our policy, where in our district does it exist? And what resources do you need? Hey, finance person, tell us how we can, you know, support the teachers in uh, this is what they need. They are looking for more mental health resources. How can we do that? Can we approve another psychologist? Can we approve another social worker? And so I think that that role is vital and is important. Okay, I hear what you're saying. But I'm thinking about other professions, one like your own, you're, you're a lawyer, right? Or the aviation industry with pilots or with physicians. Where in those professions do you have community members telling, say, the head of a hospital or a judge how to, how to do their job? And I always get the sense is that in education, there's this kind of lens that maybe we are less of a profession. And so that could be the reasons why we have entities like school boards and all of these layers of bureaucracy where people who are non-educators, I'm using air quotes because many, I'm sure there are people on your school board who are educators, but for the most part, um, telling superintendents and principals kind of how to do their job. And it just seems like it would never happen in the medical field or in the legal field or in the aviation field that those professionals would be told how to kind of, in essence, do their job or how to spend their monies from local community members. And so that's, I, that's what I grapple with a lot, right? I, I'm like, I've gone to school forever. And now I'm, mm -hmm. I'm going to have a, a group of seven or nine people who are, who are, who are, who haven't gone for school forever in education, you know, we're gonna have to spend mm -hmm. all of this time energy every month or however often we're meeting debating something that we, the professionals think we know is right for kids. And so that's really just kind of my follow-up question to that. It's just like, really is the idea of school boards, is that really helping the greater good of public education or is it yet another distraction? And is that distraction because education is not looked at as really a highly regarded profession, right? It's not a profession like 
the medical field or the aviation field or the legal field. And again, you can completely push back or say, no, Carla doesn't make any sense, but I just wanted to throw that out there. I would actually say that for the majority of people, uh, and perhaps I'm being an optimist here, (laughs) the majority of people actually would agree that their teachers are very well respected in their own homes. And I know that we can come up with examples. I can come up with 10 right now of where teachers are not respected. Mm -hmm. So I I am not um, sugarcoating that Mm -hmm. piece. So if we come from there and say, absolutely, teachers do need to be regarded that way, that this is a profession that matters so, so much. What other profession were you going to have impact on Mm -hmm, children? mm -hmm. I know I'm preaching to the choir. Mm -hmm. Okay. So um, the hope is in having seven people, even if you have one or two people that don't have that that end interest in mind of the child, then the other people on the school board will be able to step in and, you know, uh, question, discuss, debate with that person openly in an open meeting. So everybody can be, whoever is interested can be, can be witness to the discussion that took place. And I do 100% agree in my case, that you do need to acknowledge um, that the person who is speaking to you is the expert in their field. They are the psychologist, they are the director of curriculum, and they have gone on to get all of their degrees and concentrate in this field, and I have not. So I can ask them questions and push them, but at the end of the day, if they are telling me this is in the best interest of the child and here are all the reasons why and give us an opportunity with the seven of us, uh, it's majority vote at the mm-hmm. end of the day. Right. Yeah. And so um, that is that is the hope that in having a majority vote and then have this discussion, um, because the other way that that could look is that we don't have this open discussion and we don't have questions and the director of curriculum or whoever just decides, you know what, we're just going to, we're going to throw this new curriculum on the teachers and there's nobody there to stop Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. Then we also have a problem. So, and I, and I hear you, but I will tell you on a daily basis or, you know, whenever we meet, but in between as school board members, we don't just go to the meetings. We do work in between. We're reading emails. We're reading through curriculum presentations. We're doing a lot of work in between. Hopefully those of us, you know, that actually take it seriously (laughs) are doing all of those things. And uh, we come to the meeting prepared uh, with some knowledge and with some questions and with the knowledge that we are not I know that what my profession is, and I am sitting here as a school board member, not as a teacher, not as, you know, psychologist, not as a doctorate um, in in their professions. And that's what the hope is. Yeah. So let's dig deep into your district, District 45, um, which I guess we would consider a suburban district to Chicago, correct? Yes. Um, Correct. Roughly 3,400 students in your district that you guys serve. So let's talk about, you know, the big elephant in the room, (laughs) COVID-19 that hit in 2020. Um, Talk to me a little bit about, say, March, April, May, June of 2020 when COVID hit and really the, the world shut down. What role did the school board play 
in having the shifts from traditional schooling in person to remote, virtual, what role were you guys playing in that whole massive kind of turnaround that was happening two years ago? Uh, I feel like when we talk about this issue, right, it's a bit traumatic. <laughs> yeah, no, you took a deep um, and breath. <laughs> yes, yes, uh, because uh, in our district, luckily, one of the things uh, that we have, the logistics, you can say, is that every child already had a Chromebook, one-to-one okay. Chromebook. So we were ready with that. Also, for years, because we've been dealing with equity issues um, for years, Okay. It was, we have already, we were not behind when it came to the hotspot issue for internet okay. access. That has already been part of our district for years. So we okay. did not have, that was already a logistic that was in place. Families who needed internet access had internet access. We knew we could reach our children in whatever way that was going to look. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as a school board member, yes, we had to make a lot of tough decisions in the weeks to come, in the months to come. Um, we continue So you mentioned bring... you guys were already addressing equity issues before COVID. So can yes. you talk to me a little bit about what those equity issues were? And now post-COVID, I'm using air quotes again, because it doesn't really feel post-COVID to me. No. But um have those equity issues changed, exacerbated, um, gotten better because of what you all have done? So again, what were they? How have you have addressed them? Did the pandemic exacerbate them? And what are you doing now to address them if they still exist? Oh, they certainly <laughs> exist. Okay. You know they certainly <laughs> exist. We are well, all you know, keeping our eye on you that. You a magic wand and you solved it. Oh, I'd love it. If you find that magic wand, (laughs) please tell me because I will 100% pay any amount of money for that. (laughs) Um, Okay, so uh, our demographics are changing. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, our poverty rate is changing the way our students uh, look, their, Mm -hmm. you know, skin color, everything, our cultures, our Mm -hmm. multiculturalism, everything is changing and we need to be ready for it. And I'm not sure that everybody truly understood what that meant. I think it was more like, you know, sure. Yes. You know, pat me on Mm -hmm. the head and Mm -hmm. yes, we'll deal with it in kind of that way that uh, people were academically talking about it and not really feeling it in their bodies. And I was feeling it in my body. Things were coming and we needed to be ready. And, you know, all you can do is be ready. You're not ever sure what that's going to look like until you reach that moment where you say, oh, here it is. And here's how I need to address it. And the equity issues that we, okay, so the border wall brought up um, some things in our schools where, you know, incidents with children that were starting to happen and we were hearing about them. Then um, the whole, I'm sure you remember when ICE was arresting random people, you know, they're just pulling them right off the sidewalk. They just mm-hmm. dropped off their kid at school. Mm-hmm. And so I um, encouraged our superintendent to, um, we established a team and I said, you know, we need to support our families here and make sure they know that they have a right to education, their children, they need to come to school because mm-hmm. if they don't come to school, how can we help them and their families in turn and right. get, and they get the support that they need. Furthermore, we developed a binder, which was in every office. What happens if ICE shows up at your door? 
And what do you do? How do you protect our children? What does that look like? I reached out to all of the um, legal organizations that were working on these issues at the time, got our resources together. And, you know, that's what we did for our district. So that yeah. was, to me, that's an equity issue. That's a racial justice issue right there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, the poverty issue we have been dealing with for uh, a, a long time. And again, our, our poverty numbers were increasing. And so something like, again, we can look at what kinds of things can we do to support this? So hotspots, you know, internet mm-hmm. access was mm-hmm. a question that one of the board members raised. Can our families, since we're going one-to-one Chromebooks, how are they going to log in online? Right. So then to say, you know, uh, technology department, we need you to reach out to companies and find out how we can get hotspots for our families. Yeah. You know, let's, let's connect with food pantries. Let's do, so all of that support that we push on the, I think that what I was feeling in my body at the time and what I saw as important and many others, I'm not just saying me, I'm saying many others, but all came to a head when George Floyd was murdered. When he was murdered and everybody saw that video, yeah. I I feel like there were people um, who all of a sudden, all these things that I had been saying, yeah. kind of, they got it. The they got it in their, them. they yes, they got it mm. in their body. And it became real for them in a way that um, I don't think it was before. So prior to George Floyd being murdered, we had um, we were doing a book study uh, on um, it's I have it here Glenn Singleton's uh, courageous yes. conversations about race mm-hmm. people in our buildings our principals our teachers uh, they started their own groups they were doing their own work and they knew that they could do this equity work in their buildings knowing that as a board we were supportive of that work. And we created an equity statement, myself, another board member, and a principal of the of our elementary school building at the time. The three of mm-hmm. us came up with an equity statement, which can mm-hmm. be found on our website, on our district's mm-hmm. website. And um, we recently actually added language to include um, sexual identity and gender identity mm-hmm. um, so that uh, you know we're in line with the Illinois Human Rights Act. And, um, so you mentioned, this is, yeah, this is fascinating. So you mentioned, um, kind of at the beginning of the pandemic <clears throat> issues around poverty, immigration status, um, things you were already recognizing as issues, but obviously the pandemic, um, exacerbates those or bring those, those yes. more to light. And yes. this is, this is a question again, I've been asking for years, Navreet. I understand the urgency schools feel to jump in on those issues where yes. they're providing meals, right? Breakfast, lunch, and sometimes dinner. And they continue during the summer right. trying to find housing for unhoused students, helping, trying to solve and um, or at least carve out safe spaces from immigration policies. Those are county, state, federal issues, they're mm-hmm. not school issues. They impact school, but they really get solved at the kind of state, you know, municipality, federal level. And so my question is, why are you guys doing that? And not in a facetious way, like literally, would your time be more well spent if you were 
advocating and or demanding from your elected officials to solve those problems so right. you guys can get to the heart of teaching and learning because that's what you guys right. are all about, right? Now you're now spinning your wheels in the middle of a pandemic trying to solve racial inequities and economic mm -hmm. inequities and immigration status issues. And it just becomes, and I've had this conversation with other guests, Mm -hmm. You can't, we cannot do it all in education. No, we right? cannot. We can't yeah. house students. We want them housed, but we can't house them. We can't feed them every meal. We want them fed. Mm -hmm. We can't shield them from ice. We want real common sense immigration policy. So it's like, what, what do you take on? And what do you just say? We can't do that, but right. we're going to advocate for these other things to happen from our state. Right. So did you guys have those conversations? Like we've got to get to the teaching and learning mm -hmm. and then maybe it's our union organizations or some mm -hmm. other entities that are tackling those big things with mm -hmm. politicians. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It makes sense. So a couple of uh, back things <laughs> um, with, we all know, I, I think we all know or uh, realize that if the child doesn't come to school, and if they are hungry or they did not sleep last night because the whole family's sleeping in the car, they cannot learn. Mm -hmm. And if they don't show up because mm -hmm. of these other problems, we cannot teach them. Mm -hmm. If they are not ready to learn and ready to engage and have very basic needs met, mm -hmm. we cannot do our job. Our teachers mm -hmm. cannot do their job. What they will be doing in their classroom is dealing with basic needs issues. Mm -hmm and not get to the teaching. Mm -hmm. And this is, I think, where we come from when we say uh, we are 100% acknowledge that it is the larger entities that need yeah. to address these issues. And I'd yeah. love to wait for that day where they're going to do it, right? Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and they're going to all of a sudden, you know, the county, the state, the everybody is handling these issues and every citizen or every person, let's not say right. citizen, right. gets what their basic human rights are we do what we can but we also find all the local resources so we're in dupage county here there mm -hmm. are a lot of good resources and we've actually hired a person uh, but specifically dealing with equity issues and okay. that person is tasked with going out and finding all the resources and okay. being in touch with our social workers and saying our social workers and our buildings know what's happening with our families they are the best place for people to get resources. If they find out that a family needs housing, the social worker deals with it so that the teacher can actually teach and get mm -hmm. to doing what they need to do. Um, and so, uh, and on the other, um, the other piece there is that our district is a member of what's called LEND and that's the Legislative Education Network of DuPage. Many districts that are involved in leg Legislative Education Network of DuPage and you can find them online. Okay. Um, Mm -hmm. um, and so what we do is they fill us in on all of the legislation, where it's at. Is it in the House? Is it in the Senate? Mm -hmm. Has it mm -hmm. already been signed by the governor? Mm -hmm. And so they fill us in on anything that might touch education. Yeah. So any issues. And we're a K through eight district. And so we end up learning what's happening in the high school district. Well, that's where our kids are headed. So it's right. good for us to know. And yeah. we do for our district anyway, and DuPage yeah. County, we have very good voices with our representatives. You mentioned this idea of until someday when the, you know, elected officials recognize, I think it's because 
they continue to kick the can right down yep. the line to schools because you guys keep doing it. We keep doing it. We keep saying, well, yep. we'll figure out a way. I think the moment we all collectively say no more, yeah. enough is enough. It's your job. Um, right now they don't have to because yeah. we're, you know, we're opening up the doors all year round, feeding people all year round, scurrying around, trying to hire people to find homes for kids. And so if we keep doing that for them, it's their job, yeah. then they don't have to do it kind of thing. But we could talk forever about that whole idea of who's responsible <laughs> for doing that. So let's talk about current state. It's post-COVID. You've mm-hmm. raised um, some really great issues around equity that you guys have been addressing. So what does schooling look like now in 2022 in District 45 for all kids? Yeah, <laughs> we have learned a lot we have what learned a changed? lot through yeah, remote learning. Changed? There was, um, so every year we attend uh, what's called Triple I. It's a conference and it's uh, all this for the state of Illinois. It's the school board association, the superintendent's association, and one more association. Mm-hmm. And um, But anyway, there was a conference where I attended a session where they were talking about how, uh, you know, online learning might be the learning of the future. And mm-hmm. I thought mm-hmm. to myself, oh my gosh, this is horrifying. We know again that the primary relationship of teacher-student is so important that if that teacher is not in front of you and, you know, has that relationship with you, how was your day and knows something Mm -hmm. about your pet and all these Mm -hmm. things, I don't think any learning is going to happen. And then remote learning showed us what in real time, what that might look like. And we, we learned some lessons and we yeah. did um, come away. We, it's always good to mine the situation for anything that might have worked. Uh, but we know that at the end of the day, that was, that's not, we've learned that hopefully we never have to do that again. Let's just keep all, everybody <laughs> keep their fingers and toes crossed. Right. Or, so there's let's some, just... or there's some differentiation, right? I think if I were a student right now, I would prefer a blended model. Yeah, I'm an an introvert. I prefer to learn on my own. I, 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 you know, if I could just sit in a dark office all day and not talk to people, (laughs) I am way more productive. And so I think there's, there needs to be some recognition that some kids actually thrived. Right. During. And so so that's something not a one size all fit, you know, right. And so that is one of the things that we learned. And that's something that we are actively working on. How do we, because that again, goes back to giving each child, that's the constructivism model of education. How do we give each child what they need in order to learn all the needs? So when it comes to differentiation, um, that is something again, that we had already been academically doing for a number of years, even prior to me being on the school board. And yeah. so, um, that's something that we're, we actively, I, I hope it continues. We actively work towards, we have not gotten there yet. And I would yeah. love to see it continue, you know, as we learn. Yeah, more. So you mentioned having a equity statement, which I actually read through, um, and, um, trying to address issues around immigration, mm-hmm. um, issues around the changing um, racial demographics. Those are all can be for some reason. Um, they, they're, they're seeming to become kind of polarizing issues in this country. Yes. So have you all as a school board, as a District 45 community, have you received any backlash 
on your your continued journey towards being more equitable or your continued journeys to be more inclusive. Again, you mentioned adding LGBTQ language in your equity statement. So are you receiving any of the the backlash that we've seen like or are people in, in common sense corner in District 45 and recognizing that this is really just about the betterment of humanity? <laughs> The uh, again, I will say that the majority of there's always a bell curve of people, right? Right. And so the majority of people fall in the middle, and we have, you know, as uh, we have a little over three thousand, about thirty five hundred students in our district, and so about you know how many of our families that might mean. So majority of the people are on the bell curve, and people will actually move into our district to get services. So I'm very proud of our district, right? I think mm -hmm. we're doing a lot of things really well. Yes, we have heard from people who are on, uh, you know, the, the those extremes. edges of the bell yep. curve. Yep. Yes. Um, as far when our uh, superintendent wrote the letter in regards to immigration um, in 2017, we were ready for backlash and got none which we were all surprised about, not even an email. <laughs> wow. When George Floyd was murdered, uh, I made a statement at the next meeting, which was the following week. Um, I made a statement. Uh, I had been in touch with our superintendent and our um, in District 65, the superintendent in Evanston had uh, published a statement online and the school board president had also published a statement online on their website. Um, and uh, I encouraged our superintendent to look at that, and mm -hmm. um, he actually ended up issuing his own statement as well. So um, yes, we got backlash, um, and but we were ready for it. Part of it is because we have been doing the work, um, you know, courageous conversations about race, knowing that this is going to come. Um, culturally proficient leadership is what we're actually uh, doing a book study on this summer as a board, and so people are ready for the backlash and. I would say it before, you know, you know, people are going to push and it wasn't really believed until it started happening. Right. Right. There was a school board meeting. And so one of our, our school board meetings was one of those that was uh, explosive and yeah. made the news. Yeah. Um, and it was because it was because of a comment that uh, that a person made. Um, you know, in regards to uh, black people and Mexican mm -hmm. people. And mm -hmm. so after that, um, you know, we actually had to stop our meeting uh, because of the person's comment, because things became very volatile. Uh, and so I, um, yes, we've gotten pushback at the same time. We have all decided we, well, I shouldn't use the word all as a majority, we have decided that we are going to push through anyway. You're not, yeah. you're not going to scare us right. with um, these, you know, divisive uh, tactics. Correct. So we are currently receiving, uh, starting to receive emails about uh, the LGBTQ plus population. And so the things that you're seeing about, you know, books, people going yep. into libraries and turning books around or checking out every, mm -hmm. you know, book mm -hmm. that might mm -hmm. be related mm -hmm. from the library. Yes, those are that is happening, mm -hmm. uh, not in our district just yet, but we are starting to get emails. Yeah. And at what I am, um, what I am shored up by is knowing that uh, the people in leadership are we're we're all, we're together. We are going to do the right thing for our children at the end of the day, and whatever that might mean, uh, and what however that looks like, and we do identify our curriculum, our English curriculum. We just uh, adopted a new one last year. And um, 
a big reason we adapted it is because this curriculum addresses race-based books, you know, like yeah. how yes. are our children seeing themselves in our books? Um, and so this is, uh, this is something I'm proud to be part of. And then just to kind of close out the point here, um, talking about kind of the post COVID schooling, what then would you say your district continues to push for? What successes are you trying to aim for? Um, what are you guys most proud of in terms of your work around kind of the racial awakening, the look of schooling, the response to COVID? What's really happening in District 45 kind of post-COVID-19 Sure, that you want to share? Sure. Um, so we are uh, constantly evaluating our curriculum. So that's ongoing. Anywhere we see in our Kirk, actually our SEL curriculum that we are currently looking at mm-hmm. and uh, perhaps adopting, um, that has all of those all of those issues are in there so that we can support our child. And that's, I think, if I talk about what our district is doing and what I'm proud of is that we provide our children and our families if if we find a need and we think that we can do we can address it through curriculum, through policy changes, uh, then that's what we're going to do. And so that's some of the exciting things that are happening are this SEL curriculum that we're considering currently. There are some policy changes around, you know, dress codes that we're talking about. Um, Mm -hmm. And I know that uh, currently hairstyles or, you know, Mm -hmm, the way somebody mm -hmm. does their hair Mm -hmm. is not actually addressed in our dress code because it's kind of a, hey, that's never been an issue. And I, and I thought to myself, well, but why, so why can't we just add the language? I mean, I know right. it's not been an issue, but we need to be proactive and not reactive. Right. And so these are some of the things that I'm, I'm very excited to be part of because it's not just me. There are several board members. We all kind of have our passionate areas. Everybody's mm-hmm. got their eye on something that they're working towards. And we have many school board members who are actively involved, actively doing their research, um, looking at our current policies. How can we change, you know, how can we change the policy? Policy. How can we add wording? So we are um, doing all of yeah. that work. If that all is happening, it tells me that the hard work that everybody is doing is, is working. So again, thank you so much, Navreet. I think, um, you know, I still <laughs> see this as a, uh, a Frankenstein. So I still have reservations about the, the role school boards can play in transforming education. But um, it was it was very satisfying, I guess is the word, to hear the work you and your school board are doing to be most inclusive, to um, be the eyes and ears for the marginalized. So that is a, that is a positive thing. Again, I think if if our school board is the way to do that, um, are they a community organizing tool to do that? You know, the jury is still out for me, but again, I, I applaud the work you are doing in District 45. And I think the students are are better served because you're a member of their school board. So thank you for your, thank you. Thank you for your hard thank work. You. Keep fighting the good fight and um, good you luck well. thank next you. fall. <laughs> thank luck. you. And you know, I will just, I will finish up as well by saying, yeah. keep pushing. This was a yeah. great discussion. And unless yeah, yeah. there are people out there who do push and say, 
you know, what are you there for? What are, yeah. what are you doing? And we, yeah. we need to question that as well. You know, yeah. why are we there and uh, make sure that we're there for the right reasons. I think it's good. I think it's yeah. very appreciated. This discussion was excellent. I really thank you. Good. Yeah. No, and um, hopefully we'll run into each other in person someday yes. soon. <laughs> that would be lovely. Okay. All right. Take care. Thank you. You too. Thank you for listening. Schooled with Carla Hulse is available wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Amazon Music. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>